Act Three of Hamilton by Mary P. Hamlin and George Arliss. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three. Scene same as in Act Two, in October of the same year. There are flowers about, accentuating the feeling that the woman of the house has come back. The furniture is all placed as at the rise of the second act. On the mantelpiece upstage end is a small vase of autumn flowers. On small table above fireplace, large bowl of autumn flowers. On bookcase, center at back, a vase of goldenrod. On bookcase left, a small vase with yellow flowers. And on Hamilton's table, a glass bowl of violets. Washington's chair is placed a little further to left. The chair against wall below door left is removed and placed at left of Hamilton's table. The small chair back of sofa is placed under small table at window on right. A chair similar to the other chairs in the room is placed back of sofa. There are fresh lace curtains at windows. Betsy is discovered on steps at center window, hanging last pair of curtains, assisted by Ezekiel, who stands left of steps. She is in the highest of spirits, and laughs at Ezekiel's fears for her safety. <laughs> now, Ezekiel, catch these curtains when I drop them. I certainly do wish you'd let me come up them steps, step of you, Miss Betsy. Why, you dear old darky, you stay where you're safe. You've come all across the ocean, and you're still alive. Don't want nothing to happen to you no sooner you'll get on terra firm. When you'll come home last night, I certainly was glad to see you, and Miss Angelica, too. And Mars Hampton has been jumping about like a schoolboy ever since. Now, catch. Drops curtain. And remember, Zekiel, when you get married and have a house of your own. Me get married? <laughs> Yo sure is amusing. Guess if I ever get married, I won't have nothing of my own. <laughs> remember, if you have lace curtains, you have clean ones. Enter Angelica Church in street clothes. Door upright, apparently coming from the street. Why, Betsy Hamilton. Closing door and to center. I called to see if you were up. I see you are. Betsy, up on the ladder. Angelica Church, the next time you have scarlet fever, I hope you'll have it in your own country, and not drag me over to England to nurse you. The state of this house is beyond belief. Mounting another step. Betsy. If you're going to mount any higher, you'd better let me come and hold those steps. Goes to steps right of them. Now, Ezekiel, take those curtains and give them to Mary for the wash. I will do that, Miss Betsy. Moving to door left. I certainly do hope Mars Hampton don't come in and find you risking your life your first day home. Exit Ezekiel left. How you can do it, I don't know. I felt the motion of the boat all night. I wouldn't do that if you paid me. If I could afford to pay you, Angelica, I'd employ somebody who knew how. Angelica shakes steps in retaliation. Ah! Angelica, coming down center a little. Where's Amiable? Angelica, I don't think it's fair that you should have a pet name for my husband. Well, I've always called him Amiable, because it fits him so much better than Alexander. Where is he? I sent him to walk three times around the common while I took down those curtains. He's a darling. I wonder you can bear to let him out of your sight. Betsy, sitting on top step. 
i can't dear i can't oh i'm so glad to be home but when i came in here this morning i couldn't see anything but those dirty lace curtains so i had to send him out <laughs> and then it'll be nice to see him come in again won't it sitting on end of sofa how do you think he looks hale and hearty do you i thought he was looking quite thin and pale oh because you've been away of course well i'm very sorry but i think he looks fat and well i ought not to have left him you're terribly in love aren't you coming up to ladder i am angelica and i can't get over it you know alexander is the most wonderful man in the world angelica back to center is he what about my husband oh well john church is a dear old thing but you couldn't possibly be terribly in love with him could you besides he's an englishman what do you mean betsy hamilton i am terribly in love with him i know you are dear but you couldn't possibly love john as i love alexander and why not well he's a dear but he has no brains now has he he has very good brains <laughs> for an englishman moves in front of sofa removing shawl besides he's easier to manage that way drops shawl on head of sofa he's very nice and he's very rich but he isn't alexander well as i prefer having a husband to myself it's just as well he isn't <laughs> they both laugh angelica sits end of sofa betsy resumes her work betsy it's sheer nonsense you're going on doing all the work in this house as you do i like it you don't like it and you know it a daughter of general schuler doing this kind of work it isn't right well you know alexander's salary don't you three thousand dollars a year why don't you let father make you a decent allowance alexander would rather die than take a penny from anyone then why don't you make him give up working for his old country and let him work for himself and for you rising and crossing to back of table left father says you could make twenty thousand dollars a year easily as a lawyer in private practice betsy dusting panes of glass the life of this republic is dearer to him than anything else in the world oh dearer than his wife and family i suppose picking up paper there's no question of that i know his ambitions and i'm proud to be helping if it's only in this way angelica throwing down paper disgustedly three thousand dollars a year how do they expect him to provide for you the government ought to be ashamed of itself shakes steps betsy balancing herself on the top step ah oh, if you get so excited at the bottom of these steps i shan't need anybody to provide for me enter hamilton right door hat and cane he carries a rose slamming door behind him betsy schuyler come down at once what on earth are you doing up there betsy beaming at him i wanted to get a good view of you as you came in dear hamilton putting stick against wall right of bookcase at center back come down madam immediately or i'll come up and fetch you putting hat on bookcase betsy extending both arms invitingly i dare you to kiss me he dashes for the steps angelica intercepting him at right of ladder 
now if there's any kissing to be done you start at the bottom of the ladder Mwah. i've left my husband in england and i'm starving to death Mwah. good morning amiable he kisses her i'm coming down descends hurriedly angelica laughing moves to left i hadn't the heart to refuse her betsy embraces betsy fondly i've been starved so long myself he kisses betsy and then gives her a rose he has brought with him they come down stage together he being on her right angelica also comes down on betsy's left zekiel enters left removes ladder on to balcony and exits on balcony toward right well my duties as overseer being finished i suppose i ought to go but as i only got a glimpse of you last night amiable i'm going to stay and share you with betsy for the next five minutes shall we let her yes yes let's be kind to her sits sofa betsy sits on his left well the vanity of these men now tell me all you've been doing since betsy went away sitting on sofa right of hamilton you've only got five minutes you know i'll stay ten even then i'm afraid he will have to leave some things out ah those are the things i should like to hear well what have you been doing hamilton his arm around betsy well now i'll tell you but pay great attention these are state secrets part of my time has been spent in trying to save this country from rack and ruin what's rack order mrs church i know what ruin is it's the salary your country pays you for saving it order in court if you're the judge you've no right to be embracing that lady betsy is nestling during this i'm not the judge i'm only the supporting counsel but most of my time ah hamilton removing his arm and turning to angelica most of my time has been spent in trying to find the things that betsy put away before she went away betsy turning him toward her why alexander i put everything in its proper place that's what caused all the trouble that's why i could never find anything till i had looked everywhere else now if that isn't just like john church husbands are all alike hamilton looking at angelica then turning to betsy you seen her husband betsy yes dear has she any right to make that statement no dear am i like her husband no dear assuming horror at the thought angelica rises then the court discharges her with a caution we will proceed with the next case folds betsy in his arms and kisses her for which i presume no witnesses will be called well i'll go back to my father crossing and taking her shawl oh don't go angelica angelica turning well i won't because my father's coming here to fetch me moves to door left but i'll go into the kitchen and talk to mary and zekiel hamilton makes movement rises no don't leave the bench judge i can open the door of my cell <laughs> exit left laughing betsy kisses her fondly then sits placing his arm around her betsy fondly you're a real lover aren't you dear they've been long months without you it seemed as though you were never coming back it was dreadful of me to stay away so long but you know i couldn't help it you must never never go away again i never will dearest mm. 
but now that i am back i'm going to be a dreadfully expensive wife i'm going to take away all your savings there are no end of things wanted for the house and of course i haven't got a rag to my back <laughs> hamilton laughing uneasily <laughs> well betsy we'll pay a visit to the rag shop first and the house can wait no no we'll do the house first and i'll wait but you must have untold wealth hidden away why there's two quarters salary since i've been gone and no wife to spend it for you hamilton distressed betsy i've had some unexpected expenses recently but next quarter why it's all right dear everything can wait only i didn't know i thought you'd been at home busy and hadn't much opportunity of spending i've had some expensive presents to make diplomatic presents you know <laughs> oh bribes hamilton glancing at her quickly i'm afraid it almost amounts to that that doesn't sound like you alexander i can't bear to think knock heard they rise now here's somebody coming to take you away from me i suppose hamilton embracing and kissing her this is your day betsy and wild horses shall not drag me from you schuyler off stage wait a moment judge i'll see if he's at home mr hamilton at home uncle Ezekiel off walk right in sir Ezekiel opens room door and admits schuyler and chief justice hay betsy to center hamilton right jay follows schuyler the street door is also open before jay enters betsy hurriedly removes her apron and throws it to hamilton who throws it to Ezekiel when jay has passed down Ezekiel exits right closing room door also street door schuyler coming to center behind betsy here's chief justice jay alexander i met him on the doorstep betsy upstage curtsying how do you do judge jay mrs hamilton bowing near door upright and coming down i'm delighted to welcome you back kisses her hand schuyler to betsy good morning my dear good morning father kisses him they come down betsy on his left hamilton giving his hand judge jay it is good of you to honor us with a visit jay comes to hamilton you've been away jay down right in front of sofa yes for a month on my return i went first to general washington whom i now find installed in colonel frank's house at germantown yes the place was available as temporary executive quarters i then came to pay my respects to mrs hamilton and to congratulate you on your having converted jefferson and monroe to the support of your bill shaking hamilton's hand that is gradually filtering through to the other states eh alexander's a wonder extends hand hamilton crosses to center and takes it you know jefferson and monroe have withheld the news of their capitulation as long as possible they're desperately afraid of what their followers will say it's amazing i didn't believe that jefferson would yield one inch after all his yelling and shouting about the rights of man alexander's a wonder taking out his snuff-box and taking a pinch jay laughing what excuse will he make to his constituents <laughs> hamilton schuyler on his left jay on his right betsy on his left he'll just take his pen in his hand and write a cantata and his constituents will lift up their voices and sing all laugh sing what 
handing Hamilton snuff-box, who does not take any, but holds the open box for Jay, who takes a pinch. Jefferson's praises, of course. How did you do it? Bribery. Bribery and corruption. You didn't give Mr. Jefferson your two-quarters salary? No, my dear. I gave him the capital of the United States. Handing snuff-box back to Schuyler. But there isn't one. <laughs> That's what made it so easy. Laughter. Goes up center. Ah, uh, if it could only have been in Albany. Jay, with a touch of indignation. Albany? Why put the capital at the other end of the river? It should be in New York. Hamilton, coming down between them, laughing. <laughs> Let us resign it to Jefferson. On the Potomac. It's a long way from civilization. And the river will carry off the refuse of debate. The representative of the separate states can pour their slander and vituperation into the Potomac until they damn it, while the Hudson will remain unrestrained to carry on the business of the country. They all laugh. Hamilton goes back of table, left. Schuyler goes toward sofa and sits on left end of it. Betsy, curtsying to Jay. Good morning, Your Honor. I must tell you that my husband has promised this day to me. Are you on business, Judge Jay? J, downright. I think I shall not detain you long. Then, my dear. Coming to her by right of table. Betsy, smiling. You said wild horses should not drag you from me. I think the judge hardly comes under that class. You see, he is controlled by the harness of the state. <laughs> Which makes him a very tame horse indeed. In ten minutes, then, I shall take the reins and drive you away. Exits left, brightly. He follows her to door. You must be proud of your daughters, General Schuyler. Proud? Why, since they've been back, my bosom has so swelled with pride that my foot has sunk into insignificance. Hamilton, taking chair from left of table and placing it left center in front of table. Will you sit down, Judge? Indicates chair, right of table. There was something you wished to say to me. Jay, coming to chair, right of table. Yes, uh, yes. <clears throat> What a very pleasant room you have here. I'm beginning to doubt it, Judge Jay. Jay, surprised. To doubt it? Why? Sits right of table. That is precisely the remark Mr. Jefferson made when he had something unpleasant to say to me. Sits left center in front of table, but facing somewhat toward Jay. You are right. I have something that it is not easy to say to you. Do you wish me to go, Judge? No, General. I very much desire that you should stay... Mr. Hamilton, it is sometimes difficult to determine how far a public man realizes the extent of his influence on the character of others. You are a modest man, but I think you must know that the eyes of the nation are turned toward you as an honorable man who is to steer this country clear of grave dangers. I am, at any rate, conscious of great responsibilities. That is so. Great and grave responsibilities. No one but yourself can persuade the government to assume the debts of the states. The value of the cooperation of Jefferson and Monroe on that issue cannot be overrated. Yes, the Anti-Federalists are with you on that issue as long as they have to be, but it is my belief that they are looking for a loophole, a way out. What makes you believe that? Pause. Hamilton waits. I will be frank with you. I have been several times annoyed by the receipt of anonymous letters threatening exposure of some scandal connected with the secretary of the treasury 
I wish you to remain, General Schuyler, because I want it understood that my confidence in Colonel Hamilton is unbounded. I have traced these letters to a man named Reynolds. Oh, yes. You know him? Yes. He was recently arrested for perjury in connection with a state case. Do you know anything of the case? No, but the prosecution was made to the Treasury Department, and he wrote to me, begging me to use my influence to obtain his release. And you refused? Yes, I refused. Had he any reason to believe that you would help him? Yes, good reason. Why did you refuse? Because I have never used my public office for my private ends. By that I understand that the man has some claim upon you. Yes. It has come to my knowledge that since his arrest, certain papers or letters have fallen into the hands of Senator Monroe, and that some information has been passed on to the unscrupulous Giles of Virginia. Enter Ezekiel upright. Senator Monroe and Mr. Giles to see you, sir. Jay and Schuyler look toward each other. Hamilton, rising. It looks as if your information were correct, Judge Jay. Jay, rising. I'll take my leave. Excuse me. I ask you both to remain. Show them in, Zekiel. Exit Zekiel. Hamilton places chair back left of table. Jay, meeting him in front of table and taking his hand. Understand, Hamilton, my confidence in your integrity is unshakable. Enter Zekiel. Jay to left. Senator Monroe and Mr. Giles. Enter Monroe and Giles, upright. Hamilton, down center, and bowing. Gentlemen, you honor me. Exit Zekiel, door upright. Monroe, coming down. I'm sorry if I interrupt you, Mr. Hamilton, but my errand is important. Hamilton meets them center. Giles, on Monroe's right. How do, Hamilton? Schuyler shows annoyance at Giles's loud manner. Mr. Giles. Bows. Citizen J. Senator Monroe. They bow. How do, Judge? J doesn't bow to Giles. Judge J called. Won't you sit down, Mr. Monroe? Monroe sits right of table. Giles remains standing. Judge J called to express his pleasure at your cooperation in connection with the state's debts. J sits left of table. Yes, I trust we shall have no reason to alter our decision on that point. Hamilton, standing back of table. I too trust that you will not find it expedient to break your word. It's not a matter of breaking words. It's a matter of public opinion. Oh, I was not referring to you, Mr. Giles. Everybody knows that you would never be guilty of a breach of faith. Ugh. Moves across right in front of sofa. Unless it were made absolutely worth your while. Giles, turning. That remark is uncalled for, sir. True. Tell me, Mr. Giles, what have you called for? We have called Citizen Hamilton on business of a private character. Do you wish us to be alone? I think you would prefer it. Ezekiel enters upright, announcing, Mr. Thomas Jefferson. Enter Jefferson to center. Monroe and Jay rise. Hamilton greets him, center. Mr. Jefferson. You will excuse me, Citizen Hamilton, but I receive a note from Citizen Monroe asking me to meet him here at this hour. I trust I do not intrude. I told Mr. Jefferson that the business was urgent. Otherwise, I assure you, I should not have taken this liberty. Hamilton to Monroe. 
Does your business relate to my public office as Secretary of the Treasury? It does. Then I am gratified that you are here, Mr. Jefferson. And I shall ask you, gentlemen, to allow Chief Justice Jay and General Schuyler to remain. Monroe, stiffly. If you wish it. Hamilton, taking chair from behind sofa and placing it center. Jefferson shakes hands with Schuyler and then sits. Pray be seated, Mr. Jefferson. Monroe and Jay sit. Hamilton to back of table. Mr. Hamilton, I am compelled to ask you if you are acquainted. It may facilitate matters if I say that I am acquainted with a man of the name of Reynolds. Giles, standing down right in front of sofa. James Reynolds? I'm not sure of his first name. He is hardly an intimate acquaintance of mine. I believe it is James. You probably know him as Jim. Won't you sit down? Giles does not hear him. Hamilton repeats. Won't you sit down? Indicates large chair left. Giles crosses and sits. Hamilton sits back of table. The man Reynolds has placed in my hand certain letters which show that he has recently received from you considerable sums of money. You are apparently in his confidence, Mr. Monroe. Those letters were brought to us unasked. I see. The letters were also uncalled for. You say you are not intimately acquainted. What was that money paid for? May I be allowed to see the documents in question? Monroe takes them from his pocketbook and hands them to Hamilton. Giles, after Hamilton has looked at a few of them. What was the money paid for? Didn't your friend tell you? I mean, before he was arrested for perjury? He's not my friend. I never saw the man till he came to me on the subject of these letters. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. Crosses his leg uneasily. Looks under seat. That is George Washington's chair. Giles angrily pulls chair around to face Hamilton. There seems to be no doubt that you paid him the money. There seems to be no doubt about that. Mr. Hamilton, I should not be here if I had not been forced by the facts before me. But I cannot disbelieve the evidence of my own eyes. There are your letters proving that the money was paid to Reynolds, and we are compelled to ask you why you paid it. Who compels you to do that? Our sense of duty, Citizen Hamilton. Duty to whom? To the country, to the people, to the citizens of this republic. This has nothing to do with the country or the people. This is my own private affair. We know why you paid the money. Reynolds told us. Oh, you know, do you? Yes, we know. Then you haven't come for information, but merely for the love of sport. That money was paid out of the Treasury of the United States. It was paid out of my own personal account. That we shall require to have proved, but you know what it was paid for. Yes, I know what it was paid for, and from what Mr. Giles says, you know also. Opening drawer of table, drawer on right. I do. It was paid to this man that he might buy up the state's paper, the state's debts. Hamilton, stopping, opening drawer quickly. What do you mean? That he might buy up the state's debts for your benefit. Hamilton, rising. What? A stock-jobbing gamble. Come, come, Mr. Monroe. You'll have only the man's word for that. The word of a man who is arrested for perjury. 
Monroe, turning to Schuyler, Reynolds gives conclusive evidence that Mr. Hamilton gave him advance information of the proposed government assumption of states' debts, that he gave him the money to buy up the paper at bargain prices, and that his share in the spoils will be $5 million. Turning to Hamilton and striking table. Hamilton, genuinely surprised. So that's what he told you, did he? That's the reason for the whole thing. And there are the proofs of the money you gave him. Pointing to paper in Hamilton's hands. Hamilton, after a pause, and looking through letters. Thirty dollars. Twenty-five dollars. One hundred dollars. Very modest amounts for purposes of speculation. Very. Just as dishonest to steal ten dollars as ten millions. You can't dodge, Hamilton. I owe it to this country to expose this damned business. You use your official information to rob the patriots who raised the money to save this nation. No, no! Mr. Monroe. He makes them believe their loans will never be paid, and then he hires his man to buy up their claims and hoodwinks us into passing his bill for him. Senator Monroe, we entirely lack proof of this. Gentlemen, let us try to be frank with one another. You have come here today not because you believe me guilty of this accusation, not because you feel any duty to the public, but because you repent the bargain you made with me to vote for my bill. You are afraid of your own party. Your courage has failed you, and you believe this to be a tremendous opportunity to free yourselves from your promise. Jefferson protests. That is the true statement of fact, Mr. Jefferson, whatever you may think to the contrary. You dislike me. You are afraid of me. And this is part of an organized conspiracy to force me to resign, and so to end your difficulties. This is not the first time that you have accused me, but it is the first time that I have been unwilling to strike back at you. Time and again you have charged me with dishonesty in the Treasury. Three months ago you set the trusty Giles on to covertly accuse me of cooking the accounts. Within ten days, as you know, after going through endless records, I proved that there was no shadow of foundation for your accusation, and you slunk away whipped and defeated. And now here you are yelping at my heels again, and ready to tear me to pieces. This time you are bolder. You come to me with an open accusation of absolute dishonesty. This accusation is based on the evidence of one James Reynolds, an obscure and worthless man. Had I desired to defraud the Treasury, should I have been driven to the necessity of unkenneling Reynolds to assist me? Gentlemen, it is not a reasonable accusation. If I felt that you really believed that this was even remotely connected with my office, I should not hesitate to give you proof to the contrary. But you know that what you accuse me of has no foundation in truth. Pause. I admit that I had transactions with the man Reynolds. Movement of interest from others. But they were of a private nature, and I swear that my connection with him is in no way bound up with my public office. I make an appeal to your sense of justice, and I ask you, gentlemen, to drop this investigation. Jay, after a slight pause. In deference to Mr. Hamilton, I think, gentlemen, that should close the matter. But there is no question of the honor of Alexander Hamilton. 
Mr. Hamilton has indeed made a very moving appeal. If the facts are not as stated, why not tell us what they are? Because such disclosure would be useless to you, and it would cause much suffering to some who are very near and dear to me. Jefferson, as if about to rise. Well, in that case, Citizen Hamilton. But I don't see how... Do you mean it's a domestic affair? Hamilton, uneasily. In a sense, yes. Something that affects your wife? Hamilton, restraining himself. Yes, sir. Something that affects my wife. There is a moment of embarrassment. Monroe shows that he does not wish to proceed. Giles, rising. Mr. Hamilton, as a trusted representative of the state of Virginia, I feel it is my duty to ask you a few questions. Hamilton looks at Giles hard for several moments and then sits. Great restraint. Yes. In the first place, in what way is your wife mixed up? Hamilton, springing up and striking table, furious. Stop. There shall be no more of this. I am ashamed of the act that has led to this inquiry, but I am more ashamed of my cowardice in begging your charity. You shall have the facts. During the absence of my wife abroad, I became intimate with Mrs. Reynolds. Sensation. It doesn't matter how or where, but the thing happened, to my eternal disgrace. Since that night, I have been paying hush money to the man Reynolds. He has never ceased to blackmail me. Taking letters from drawer. Here are his letters with demands for money. They form the sequel to those which you now hold. And here are three or four love letters from Mrs. Reynolds, which I am sure you will enjoy reading. Throwing them on table toward Giles, shutting drawer and moving across to extreme right at back and back again. Schuyler, rising, thunderstruck. Alexander! Father, I have no excuse to make. Giles picks up the letters and crosses quickly and shows them to Jefferson. Jefferson turns away, saying, No, no. Giles then turns to Monroe. Monroe takes the letters and throws them on the table, saying, I prefer not. Hamilton comes back of table. Since this accusation has been made, I must insist on your reading all these documents. These are his, and these are hers. They both form part of the plot in which you are now involved. You will find no mention of state debts in them. Her letters are an attempt to drag me into a prolonged intrigue, and were necessary for the full effect of his blackmailing looking at Giles, who was standing center between Monroe and Jefferson. A conspiracy from beginning to end. A conspiracy to discredit Washington's administration and my office. Will you read them, or do you condemn me to read them to you? He pulls off the tapes from her letters and is about to read. Betsy, heard off left, calling. Alexander? A moment of suspense. Betsy, enters door left. Alexander? Oh, I beg your pardon, gentlemen. I thought you had gone. The men rise, and there is an awkward pause. But this was to be my day with my husband. Won't you let him off till tomorrow? We've been parted so long, you know. Won't you, Mr. Jefferson? She is down left in front of table. Jay moves up center and meets Jefferson and Monroe. They make a group there. Giles moves to right in front of sofa. Schuyler has worked across at back and is coming down left. 
Hamilton, coming by left a table to her rapidly. In a few moments, dear, in a few moments, and then I'll come. But you look so tired, dear, so tired and old. I've never seen you look old before. I've grown old in your absence, dear. I'll come in a few moments, very soon. And we'll look at the shops, and you'll be my boy again. Hamilton kisses her hand. Yes, dear. Jay, coming to left center. I don't think we need to ask Mrs. Hamilton to withdraw. Our business is over, and I apologize for having kept him so long. You came to take the reins, eh, Mrs. Hamilton? I think I will go before you use the whip. Schuyler has joined Betsy by this time. Jay draws Hamilton away to center. I sincerely regret that you should have been subjected to this. Betsy, down left in front of table, by instinct. Is something the matter, father? Schuyler, on her right, tries to distract her attention. It's all right, my dear. It's all right. Jefferson, quietly to Hamilton. Citizen Hamilton, I'm heartily ashamed of having obtruded myself into this business. I give you my word that not one syllable of this shall ever pass my lips. I'm sorry. I was misinformed. I apologize. They bow to Hamilton, and he follows them as they move toward the door upright. Betsy is conscious of something the matter, and lingers, though you see Schuyler is trying to get her away. Giles, who has been walking restlessly to and fro down right. Wait a minute, wait a minute! They all stop and turn. Jefferson at door, Monroe following. Hamilton center, and Jay center to left, upstage. I don't want to speak before Mrs. Hamilton, but this thing hasn't been brought to a satisfactory conclusion. Jefferson, coming back a few steps. Surely there is nothing more to be said. Mr. Hamilton has met you fairly and straightforwardly. Giles, right center in front of sofa. I have nothing to say against Mr. Hamilton, but... <laughs> Monroe comes down right behind Jefferson. Giles, loudly and pugnaciously. I won't be muzzled. I am a trusted representative of Virginia, and it is my duty to do the best for my state. I think, gentlemen, we will not endeavor to restrain Mr. Giles in the execution of his duty. If Mrs. Hamilton will be good enough to retire. Betsy looks towards Hamilton, rather worried and scared. No, gentlemen, with your permission, I shall ask my wife to remain. Sensation. Slight pause. Hamilton moves to chair right of table, but does not sit. Oh, I see. You want to gag me. On the contrary. I am hoping that she will remove the seal from my own lips. You mean you want me to speak out? Yes, I want you to speak out. Giles, slightly taken aback by his tone. Very well. Moves to center. Alexander Hamilton, you don't like me, but I'm going to prove to you that I am your friend. Hamilton glances at him. You don't believe it, but I'm going to prove it to you. What would you say if the newspapers got a hold of this story? Slight movement from Jefferson and Monroe. They exchange a glance of disapproval. Which? My story or yours? Now it's no use getting personal. It isn't my story. It's Reynolds. What would you say if the newspapers came out tomorrow with the story that the Secretary of the Treasury had borrowed the nation's money to speculate with to buy up the state's paper? Hamilton, looking at his wife, who has started and is being restrained by Schuyler, for the moment, I don't know what I should say, Mr. Giles. It wouldn't be any use trying to get your bill through then, not even with Jefferson and Monroe behind you. 
Public opinion would be too strong. Jefferson, coming in between Hamilton and Giles. Citizen Hamilton, you must excuse me. I cannot stand by while Citizen Giles continues in this way. I wish to express my regret that a representative of Virginia should behave in such a deplorable manner. Bows to Hamilton. I take my leave. Exit door upright and shuts door after him. Monroe is following, but stops at room door as Giles speaks. Giles, moving across to right back angrily. Well, Jefferson's words don't alter the facts. At least not with me, they don't. Jay, left center at back. Is there any danger of the newspapers getting it? Giles, coming to center. There's more than a danger. It's a fact that the advertiser has got the story and is going to publish it in tomorrow's issue unless... Hamilton, in front of chair, right of table. Unless... I think it would be better if Mrs. Hamilton... Mrs. Hamilton is your hostess. You said unless... Well, unless, of course, you deny it, which you couldn't very well because there are the proofs that the money was paid to Reynolds, and you can't explain why. Hamilton, after a pause, and sitting. You've gotten me, haven't you? Now, Mr. Hamilton, if you will withdraw your bill, I'll guarantee that the story shall not be printed. Betsy, crossing to Hamilton. I don't know what foundation you have for your false accusations against Colonel Hamilton, but he must not give up that bill. He's worked and slaved and gained the confidence of all the world with that in view, and he must not give it up. Can you bear the alternative, Betsy? I must bear it. Can you bear that I, the Secretary of the Treasury, should be accused of cheating the people? Bear it? Why, of course, because I know it isn't true. Hamilton, rising. How do you know it isn't true? What do you mean? Because I know you, Alexander. Hamilton, advancing to her. Do you know me? Do you? Tell me what you mean. Hamilton, taking her by the arms. Why don't you suspect me? Why do you trust me? Don't, don't. Tell me what it is. You can't prove it isn't true. I can, but I dare not. You dare not? I dare not tell the truth. I did pay certain sums of money. What for? What did you pay it for? To keep from the light something of which I am ashamed. To hide something shameful from you. Schuyler, down left. Alexander, have you no feeling for your wife? Betsy, go. Hamilton, stepping back from Betsy. Father, it's better that she should know. Betsy. You're not going to drag that woman. Oh! A moment of dead, awful silence. Betsy, turning dazed to Schuyler. It's not a woman? He bows his head. She turns to Hamilton and sees the guilt on his face. Oh! Betsy, my girl. Betsy, lifting her head, dazed, but with a sense of pride. Does anyone else know? Schuyler, quietly. Mr. Jefferson, that is all. Betsy, looking at Monroe and Jay. Will they tell? No. No. Betsy, slowly. Then it need never be known. Then you withdraw your bill. Hamilton, with a great sudden outburst. No, no. I can't do it. I've done with bargains. I've bargained with my conscience long enough. 
I'm covered with shame and remorse, but I can't stand in the mud and barter what I believe to be America's honor. My bill stands. Get out and tell your story, and I'll tell mine. What'll you tell? The truth. Picks up letters. The whole degrading, sordid truth. In tomorrow's newspaper, I'll publish every fragment of evidence in connection with my disgrace with this woman. If there is to be dishonor, it shall fall on me and not on this administration. I sacrifice my office. I sacrifice my wife. But by God, Betsy, I can't sell my country. With a peremptory gesture to Giles. Now go! Giles goes towards door right and the curtain falls quickly. Picture. Monroe is going. Hamilton center looking toward door. Schuyler taking Betsy in his arms. Giles is seen going through street door. He glares at Hamilton and bangs the door after him. Curtain. End of Act Three.